Hi guys and welcome back to this week's episode of Let's Chat Ethics. I'm your co-host Oriana. And I'm your other co-host Amanda. <laughs> and this week we're going to be discussing or following on from last week's episode which was bias, data bias, and this week we're going to be talking about bias by design. So some examples of like bias by design were um, the technology that's used in airports, not recognising um, Asian faces and recognising coming up that uh, Asian people had their eyes closed, which is obviously extremely racist. And yeah, just, just like usability for uh, people with disabilities. And it's quite easy for people to be, or certain groups to be left out of the design process. So yeah, I think that's something that UX designers and user researchers have been um, trying to get better at, but we're seeing in many instances of life where things are designed for men or things are designed for white people and only recognizing white skin tones. So yeah, it's something that is clearly a massive issue and we've recognized it now, but um, still obviously we're not at the space where we need to be in um, technology in terms of usability for all groups. So yeah, what are your thoughts on this uh, by size design, Amanda? Yeah, I think this is a topic that's kind of close to my heart, <laughs> near and, and dear to me, because um, as I've talked about before, so my PhD, it is looking at uh, abuse detection and mitigation in conversation with agents, but um, I also look at that basically I look at that as part of the design of conversational agents like Alexa and Siri and um you know we have designed all these systems to have these female personas um based on a stereotype that we have in our mind, right? So if if you close your eyes right now and I tell you to picture a personal assistant, chances are you're picturing a woman in her like 20s maybe early 30s um and she's probably quite um maybe a bit passive and these systems are definitely very passive and submissive so um you know that's that was kind of one of the things that i looked at in in my research early on was when they were being abused for example what kind of responses were they using um and i think this is definitely part of bias by design of this idea that we have that um, personal assistants are women and women are subservient and should be always nice and pleasing. I mean, I remember that at some point, um, Alexa, if you insulted her, would say things like, oh, I'm, I'm very sorry, you can leave feedback on Amazon.com. And I get that that's coming out of like yeah, an assumption that people are frustrated and so they you know, Alexa has done something wrong and hasn't understood, but um, ultimately the message there is that it's okay that you insulted me. I mean, can you imagine if you call a customer service um, and you start calling them horrible names um, that they would apologize to you? That's like, to me, it's quite shocking. And I, I worked as a receptionist a few years ago um, at a doctor's office and I did get a little bit of abuse once from, from someone and, you know, everybody there would have told me just hang up the phone 
and stop talking to them. And that's kind of what we expect that a human would do, kind of assert themselves. So the fact that we're designing these things is to be so passive and just accepting of any kind of abuse and sexual advances because they also often uh, were kind of flirtatious back. So I think, was it Siri or Google? If you asked, what are you wearing? It would say, like, in the cloud, no one knows what you're wearing, which is extremely suggestive. <laughs> um. So that's that's one of the the aspects of kind of bias by design that um certainly pop pop out to me. Um, I also um you know we talked a few episodes ago about the the book and the network, the design justice network. Um, and they're trying to tackle this kind of bias by design, I guess. Uh, so that's 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 really interesting. I think especially, um, you know, for me, it, the the gender issue comes into it because of my my research is sort of the first um, point of contact that I had with this. Um, but you know, having been reading the book and all of that, you start to see all the ways in which our world is horribly biased by design and designed for men. Ah, there's another book. Um, oh my god, what is it called? Uh, Invisible Women. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> this book, Invisible Women, is also about how the the world was designed for men. And it talks about um, things like the airbag and the safety systems in, in cars. They're designed for the average man, basically. And so women tend to die in car accidents much more and have more serious injuries because women tend to be physically smaller than men. So it's... You know, I could get quite scary. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely quite scary when you actually think about um, how everything is designed for us. Like everything we do, everything, you know, every step we take something, there's been some kind of design process behind everything. And, you know, historically, um, people with disabilities have always been completely... Uh, left out and I know like we were talking last week about um you know there's also bias in the sense of um we speak a lot about uh gender and racial bias but uh and again saying we also I'm talking about the community in general um but people don't tend to talk about as much about um ableism and uh the access to um, technology for people with disabilities as well and that's also an important conversation to have because you know up until now um, disabled people have been left out of many design processes even down to accessibility to buildings or events um, and now in the digital world as well that is also um, a common problem I mean I do think in my lifetime I've seen you know companies such as Microsoft have made massive waves in the uh, design um, process for um, certain technologies and actually had, you know, disabled um, people's best interests at, at play here in terms of being able to actually have technology that benefits them. Um, you know, they have amazing technology for people who are blind and deaf and that's really, really fantastic to see. So that is a great step. But obviously, we still have a lot more work to do, which... Um, we can't forget and 
also sidebar your point about Alexa, Amanda. Yeah, it's it's interesting how mm-hmm. we in our everyday lives again probably don't think about how our interactions with Alexa would trickle into our subconscious and actually have an effect on our subconscious and how we maybe view women and maybe see them as subservient. And I know that's something that, you know, when people were talking to Alexa, they don't ever think of that, but it does actually, these things do trickle into your subconscious. And that is something that um, people have been speaking about a lot recently, which is extremely important, is um, unconscious bias. And unconscious bias is something that obviously has a massive effect in the design process um so when we're talking about that that's something not to forget yeah of course i mean i think in in terms of that we've got the question of whether ai or you know the design of everyday life should be um kind of subversive and provocative i guess (laughs) and should it um be actively fighting our our stereotypes or is it okay to just be right because i think um you know the for the example of Alexa, a lot of the companies they obviously ran some some focus groups and did some studies and they found that people tend to prefer um female assistants and that to me is likely a result of the bias that we already have, but it's also reinforcing that bias at this point, and to what extent do companies have responsibility to to fight that and that might be a topic for another episode um you know how how responsible are we for creating actually beneficial ai Uh, but i actually really want to focus on the the idea of uh designing for for everyone right so i think um you know Oriana, you've said that um most of the world is designed for white cisgender men <laughs> and um i think that's that's true and one of the the um what's the word i'm looking for so on the one hand when you want to design something you might want it to work for the biggest number of people or you might go for the easiest way to solve it and Uh, For some things, it might be that you just have more data about these kinds of things. But you might come up with better and more creative solutions when you try to come up with uh, a solution that works for most people rather than the biggest number of people possible. So, (laughs) language. (laughs) Um, so if you want to come up with a solution that works for more than just able-bodied people, um, then your solution will probably, yeah, it will be more creative and harder to come across at first, perhaps. But it will be a better solution if you can take into account um, everybody rather than just, um, in this case, I'm, I'm using the example of able-bodied people, but also, for example, uh, in the case where you need to consider both uh, male and female or the entire spectrum, right? So remember in the, the design justice book uh, where the author talks about the airport scanners uh, that are designed for either male or female and it doesn't take into account anybody in, in, in between, Um 
So, and and specifically, actually, cisgender male or female. I'm sorry, just to clarify. So, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, when you're talking about the Design Justice book, I remember when you mentioned that, that honestly was something I actually, until that point, hadn't even considered about the airport scanners. Um, obviously, only favouring cisgendered um, people. And that's something that obviously I haven't had to think about because I've like navigated in some kind of privilege. And these are the things I get, this is the problem. The point I'm getting to, I guess, is that most of the people in, in design rooms historically have had some kind of privilege. So if, if, to this point, there hasn't been many people who had disabilities in the room being able to voice. Actually, no, that wouldn't work for someone like me because of X, Y, and Z. So they put out the product and then it doesn't work for this person. And yeah, like you said, there's obviously, even to disabilities, there's so many nuances within disabilities and so many different disabilities. And I think a lot of times companies probably haven't bothered to put in the funding or effort because they just have thought, we'll go for the majority of able-bodied people and that's that and it's that's how it's going to be. And I... I know it's something that people are trying to make differences with now, but it's obviously still not where it needs to be. And there definitely needs to be more, I guess we speak about it all the time, but more diversity in these rooms. And even not just with, um, I know everyone's saying diversity within the design teams, but also when you're doing that, the user research and for usability, then they're doing these different focus groups making sure they're actually diverse um and yeah diverse on all all levels like we've said before like culturally um like obviously like racially like class um gender like disability i feel like there's so many um like sex everything needs to be in those focus groups as well because otherwise we're going to keep like missing missing the mark on really like important pieces of technology um, and in any type of design, actually, even outside of technology. But yeah, I think it's 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 crazy how um, if you if you have some kind of privilege, you don't actually always recognise what what can be missed in any design process in your everyday life, which to someone else can be kind of um, completely debilitating if something isn't working for you or what your need is and that can be completely debilitating I think that's historically why it has been the way it is if you are only having the white male cisgendered person yeah definitely I think um all these examples of um this kind of this kind of problem come to mind like um I read that um VR headsets which are becoming more popular uh, actually tend to make women very nauseous uh, <laughs> And of course, I I do natural language processing in Scotland, and every time I give a talk, the the first question I get is, when are these things going to understand Scottish accents? <laughs> and actually, the my answer there is always that, in my experience, they don't understand many accents in general. They're trained for the kind of very middle-class American sort of Wall Street Journal kind of um, male person and anybody that 
varies from that is actually not that well understood um <laughs> even even other americans <laughs> yeah <laughs> even down to um and i always thought it was in my head but when i when i've used alexa it'd be like sorry i didn't get that but then the second my dad will say the exact same thing as me it takes it to the same <laughs> it's the same um to the like where it needed to be basically i was like yeah and i always it's... thought i was i always thought that was like in my head but obviously now working in ai is more <laughs> recognized like it's favoring a male <laughs> yeah so it's it's very interesting i mean these two are very kind of um uh the, the harm that these two like the vr said and the alexa not understanding alexa for example it happens with all uh, all of these systems um then you know the, the harm is relatively minor um compared to something like yeah the airport security not understanding you or straight up being um excluded from being able to use something completely um but yeah but it's uh, something that it's important that we we kind of keep keep in mind when when we're designing these kind of things so um yeah definitely i think yeah that also comes to mind like um they were saying that instagram filters not recognizing darker skin tones but then obviously you have facial recognition also like so that might seem like a minor a minor thing like okay an instagram filter that's not causing maybe serious harm um but then you have the facial recognition on the other hand that we've spoken about before that has been used and is causing direct harm um so yeah i feel like it, it's just one of those things where it can go from and this is how anything can go from kind of like a minor maybe a minor inconvenience or a minor um you know like i would say the minor inconvenience for me was like alexa not recognizing my voice <laughs> sometimes mm -hmm. and recognizing my dad's voice but how then it goes to obviously the really like extreme awful coincidences like with um situations sorry with racism um like we said with facial recognition um so yeah and actually i think i wanted to because i know we kind of briefly mentioned at the end of last week about classism and we briefly got into um as we before we left um about the um a level results in the uk and that's obviously i would say an example of a bit of yeah but i would say like biased by design as well because it's you're choosing you're choosing to um use data that's only going to be positively impacting people from a certain like upper class um and that kind of yeah like you like you mentioned last week that's classism isn't really spoken about actually as much in terms of um uh, bias and actually i um i was on a panel in the summer and the woman on the panel who was um uh Iveta sampson she basically literally said just that we were talking about diversity in terms of having um you know black people in the room when talking about facial recognition and hr systems yeah and what she said was basically that no one was really speaking about was how is a you know a black man from the south side of chicago who's had a, who's maybe come from a working class background um meant to relate to a black man who 
has come from an upper class background and grown up in like suburbia in the United States and then has gone to Harvard, for example. And she was saying that just because of, she's like, we always speak about skin color, but when we're still not speaking about, okay, they skin color in common, but the class is going to ultimately make whoever, which one of them was ever in the room have a different understand, like output to give. So that, that was something that, um, I thought was a really, really interesting and good point. And it, and it made me realize then we don't really talk about class as much because there's very, a lot of nuances within that. And like she said, both of them are going to have completely different experiences to give when they're, um, when they're in whatever team they're working with, whether that's in the design or any processor in tech. So that's also something to consider when people talk about, I guess, diversity because, um, diversity can sometimes be thinking if you have like certain people in the room it's all going to solve every problem but actually there's many like nuances to it yeah and I think class like uh, we were saying last week it's something that's often left out of um the the discussions about bias and I I wonder you know I, I think I said that already last week that to some extent I think it's probably that in the U.S., it's kind of um, taboo to talk about class. You know, you've got this idea that there is no no class system in the U.S., and maybe there is no class system that has been created from, you know, the aristocracy and all of that, like uh, we might have in Europe. But it's completely insane to suggest that there is no class system in in the U.S. when the U.S. the U.S. has one of the highest rates of, of inequality especially in in the developed world for sure so how can you suggest there is no no class system and just completely leave it out of the the conversation um yeah yeah because even when you even when we go um thinking outside of just europe and the states even outside i guess of the western narrative class systems do exist in pretty much every continent actually and most countries have <laughs> some form of a class system. And yeah, so, and if you're, I, I guess you would think, um, I mean, I, I guess stereotyping a tiny bit, but most people from um, maybe the middle or upper class are going to be more likely to get the jobs in tech, whatever country they're working in, um, because they've been given, uh, you know, more, more privilege, more opportunities. So their voice is going to be the only voice heard. So um, yeah, whatever country you're going by, really, you're going to have a lot of, um, you know, the working class maybe left out of the, the conversations and then how, what their needs for certain tech is going to be, um, yeah, eradicated. And then, yeah, and then look what happened with the the algorithm at the A-levels results. I think that was, that was kind of the cherry on top of multiple scandals for for 2020 yeah. for the UK I, anyway. I, <laughs> I still would love to hear the the reasoning behind including the postcode as as one of the the predictors because and, and I still don't I personally just don't understand the logic the just the logic for me was where was anyone's sensible brain when they thought I know we'll have an algorithm um choose and predict your grade an algorithm of your postcode and not your teachers 
who have been teaching <laughs> you for the past however many years who have had daily interactions with you, who've sat with you throughout X, Y, and Z, you're going to get, choose an, an algorithm to predict. I just, I am, that to me, that was the cherry on top of things that the UK have done this year that I was like, what, where was the logic? <laughs> you know what, we were talking about last week about the, this idea that AI is, is neutral and, and I think they were probably like, oh, your teachers, they know you so well, they'll want you to get into the university that you want. And so they'll lie and say that, yeah, you're totally going to get the, the, the grades for, um, for that, that university. Uh, and so they were like, let's remove that entirely from the equation and instead give you a predictive value by your postcode. It's just it's <laughs> much just, more neutral. <laughs> I know, it's so, it's so neutral. And I think, and I think this is what, exactly what we spoke about last week. I think people... And everyone needs to get on board with the idea that AI is not neutral and it's never going to be neutral because AI didn't just kind of fly here from a magic land. (laughs) AI is part of like humanity. It's part of it's being coded by people. It's it's not it's never going to be neutral. So I think that's really problematic if we continue on this journey of saying AI is neutral. Yeah, and wasn't the solution to that in the end was you could pay an ex- exorbitant amount to actually go and take your tests by yourself? I think you had to pay like two hundred pounds per subject or something like that. Yeah, it was at first. At that first, it was that. Yeah, and then um, rightfully so. I'm really happy all the students really went out and protested, and then uh, then they went off their. Te- I think they went off their teachers' predicted grades anyway in the end. <laughs> So all of that for nothing. I just think that was whoever was behind that. I know they, um, the company, uh, the two senior people uh, resigned. But in terms of government as well, people should have had a bit more um, perception to what was going on because that was ridiculous. Yeah, and it's it's surprising in the UK where I feel like the the discussion around class is not so taboo. Like I think it's very much acknowledge that there is this yeah um so i'm i'm shocked that nobody in the uk thought hey guys maybe we should double check this first um Mm, i think i I do think the problem here is though that people kind of want this class system i know we spoke about it briefly how people are people don't really want the class system to not be here anymore so it's, it's much more like people are very proud to be from working class people are very proud to be from the class they're kind of born into a lot of the time and it's almost mm-hmm. kind of like something that people carry with them throughout life I've, I've just noticed that way more after um because my obviously my mum's American my dad's British um and then spending a lot of time in America and living in America is, is a lot different people there don't want to don't really they well they would be offended if you said working class really or um they, they kind of see everyone as being able to get to where they've got to get through the American dream, I guess, that ideology. Whereas here, I think mm-hmm. it's everyone carries throughout their life this idea of what class they're in. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And that's obviously now seeped into technology as well. Yeah, and I think it's um, kind of more obvious in the UK. Like, I think in, in the UK, you can hear somebody speak and just from their accent, you you get an idea for example whereas finding other countries it's not so much the case like i i grew up in spain and i think there i mean you can there's i would say just as much language variety in terms of accents and etc but 
just hearing that somebody sounds like they're from a particular place doesn't necessarily tell you um what their their background is beyond their like geographical <laughs> um origin um that is very true about the uk actually very very true yeah but i think yeah the definitely it's it's definitely seeping into into tech in 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 many many ways um yeah i think i think we're actually up on our time you know oh wow that went that went fast it always goes by fast these days (laughs) (laughs) okay well thank you everybody for for listening thank you yeah thank you so much for tuning in guys and as always if you want to follow us on socials we're at let's chat ethics on twitter and we also have email if you want to get in touch it's let's chat ethics at gmail.com yeah and if you found anything that we said thought-provoking or um, just interesting you liked it you disagreed feel free to tweet at us we'll definitely interact with you yeah. um, see you next week thank you. see you next week bye